Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with David Frayne, whose heartwarming comedy Dating Amber is being released on Amazon Prime on the 4th of June. So set in Ireland during the mid-1990s, two friends, Eddie and Amber, decide to stage a relationship in order to stop everyone speculating about their sexuality. Thank you. So you are based now in the UK. So I moved to uh, London about three three years ago and um which is for a relationship not work and I, I've been kind of been back and forth all the time working on films so we shot my first film The Cured back in Ireland and then we sh- I went back to make Dating Amber as well so I'm, I'm still kind of 100% an Irish filmmaker just not always there. <laughs> the Cured was originally um the third wave wasn't it? The Cured was originally the third wave, yeah. Um, I have this um, unfortunate habit where all my films just end up getting retitled at some point. Because um, <laughs> yeah, Dating Amber was Beards? Was Beards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get to make the film I want, I just don't get the title I necessarily want. Um, so oh, no. yeah, the Cured, the Cured, there was another film called Fifth Wave that just came out a year or two before and there was concern about confusion, so they changed that to The Cured, which I was okay with. And then I think there was a feeling with Beards that um it may be a remote kind of term for some people and um so we we settled on dating dating amber as as a solution which i'm i really like and i'm happy with but yeah it wasn't the original title it's kind of i'm still getting used to it because it's a new a new thing <laughs> it's nice and it kind of like it kind of leaves it more as a surprise when beards is very much this is what it is <laughs> Yeah, I, and I do remember when we were like, you know, when you were back in the days when you were pitching it to people, they were like, so it's about facial hair? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So I think if you don't know the term, you know, about to, to, to gay people who start a fake relationship, it's, you know, I guess it could be confusing. But anyway, that, I mean, that happens all the time with, with, with film and it'll probably happen to me again. Fingers crossed. I'll get there. <laughs> no. Yes, for the next feature. So, yeah, exactly. Um, the third wave was the third wave because you had done zombie films before and you had done a short which was based on the same theme so the third wave was yeah this was kind of after the fact and it was post-apocalyptic it was like almost kind of post-cure wasn't it but it was in yeah the same exactly universe as your short yeah so the, the the actually you know i wrote the feature film first um for the cured and um and then when we were going into financing it i think just the the at the time, the the logic was you make a proof of concept short film that you can go out to the film to to financiers and kind of prove what you can do. So we then went my producer and I went back and made the first wave as a as a proof of concept, so, uh, just just for the purpose of you know kind of garnering some faith in me as a director, and, and that worked really well. So yeah, so the the feature came first and then the short, um, and you know the feature like it's it's a total one eighty from dating Amber like it's you know it's a hard drama it's bleak and I think I, I made like I wrote it over 10 years ago and I was a very angry depressed man at the time <laughs> just struggling with this inner demon and I think now there's that thing of tragedy plus time equals comedy and now with the with with distance and with hindsight I can see how warm and funny struggling with your sexuality was when you're a teenager and I wanted to bring that to to dating Amber so it's you know it's a it's kind of it's kind of the other side of the coin for the cured in a bizarre way um and it's you know it's it's pretty autobiographical and it's yeah it's it's kind of seeing the the fun side of 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 being gay in rural Ireland. 
in 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 a in a repressed kind of right wing at the time country in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It, it's 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 fun to watch it now for us because you know we're we're coming off the back of the referendum and everyone yeah. is, is is you know we're we're kind of like a, a we're as a nation definitely going in the right direction when it comes to becoming okay. more liberal and having more empathy and understanding things yeah i mean i think it's you know i i i mean i think ireland's made such incredible strides in the last few years and you know i think it's made us all feel a great national pride but what i think i i so i wrote this as kind of set in the 90s and it's kind of about me as a kid and growing up and you know, I thought it would be enjoyed as a nostalgia piece, but what I found really, really interesting and really kind of lovely was how much our young cast, some of them who were still in school, really related to the to the script, and they had all they all had their own stories that were similar to this. And I think, even though we have made these great um, kind of strides, it's still tricky to be queer as a kid. You're still in, a, you're still kind of in a you know, living in a straight world with these expectations that aren't necessarily you. And and I think people can still be insensitive and still make kind of crass jokes, particularly when you're not in some sort of metropolitan mecca. So, I, you know, I think even though we've made incredible strides, I think there's still a way to go. And I think there can very often be a uh, an assumption that it's easier than it is uh, for young kids now. I think it's still a tricky thing to come to terms with who you are when you've grown up or people around you've grown up with a different perception. So it was nice to see how relevant it felt making it with our young cast and hopefully how hopefully it will continue to connect with the youth audience out there as well as the kind of, you know, people who just want a fun film or just want a bit of 90s nostalgia. Yeah, it's it's lovely to watch that. And I do think as well, there's a lot to relate to in it. It is about being in a place and feeling different you know and i think like yeah. you know maybe in in some ways you know people are a lot more enlightened but there's always like you're a young person you, you feel like you don't fit in you don't have your tribe yeah i mean there's nothing worse than being a teenager gay or straight or what you know trans or whatever it's you know it's 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 a traumatic time um and it's a very confusing time and i think yeah, I think it's it, it is that the film is all about finding, you know, the joy of finding the person you can identify with and finding your tribe, as you said, and, you know, and how life changing that can be. And, and, you know, the film is about Eddie and this girl, Amber, and how kind of they essentially form this incredible friendship and sort of in a way shape who the other person's going to be, you know, and gives them the confidence to be who they need to be for the rest of their lives. So... Yeah, and I think, I mean, we all hopefully have that person in our past or, you know, wish we had it. So, so if there is, say, something deeply personal in there, it, do you find as a filmmaker going back and examining themes like that are cathartic? Do you get re-stressed a little bit? Like, what would, what would, say, the writing process like and then the filming process? Yeah, I think because of, you know, I think it's not something I could have written earlier because I don't think I had the... Um, the mental fortitude or, or kind of insight, you know, I think I, you know, I, I'm somebody who took a while to come to terms with, <clears throat> with who I am and really deal with that. But when I did come to write it, it was lovely. It was really cathartic and fun and joyous. Like it was the most fun I've had writing anything. You know, I, there was no, I think I was at a point where there was no fear in 
going to the places that were most uncomfortable, which was nice. And that kind of carried through to the making of it. I think our cast and crew were incredible. And I think everyone had a real passion for the project. It was one of those weird sets where everything went right. Like we always got our locations. We always got the weather we wanted. Uh, you know, we had one day of rain, which was a day we had scripted rain, which is weird. And so it was um, filmed in Spain, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. It was so weird. It's kind of because I always love the idea that you know when I was talking with Roy O'Brien, my DP, you wanted it to feel like you're looking back at old photos, and you always had your camera out in good weather back in the nineties and eighties and stuff. So we wanted that kind of feel to it, and we just ended up getting the weather to suit it, and we got to shoot it where I grew up, where where it's set as well, which was a huge privilege. Where so in the Carrick Barracks, in which is you know an active military barracks when they're very. They're very um, tricky to get access to to film in. And we we ended up just lobbying and working at it and getting it eventually. Um, and I, I, I getting to shoot it where I grew up and shoot it where it's set and meant, and, you know, having my family around me when we were making it, it just, it kind of became a really lovely kind of, it, it was like, it was like a year of therapy. It was just amazing. <laughs> oh God, that's really good. Because I do think as, as, kind of creatives we do tend to mine our own past for stories and and to empathize with characters and and unfortunately like the most interesting thing to watch is kind of that trauma and working through it and you know and the happy films that go through it and it has a happy ending so it it is nice to hear that as well and and i'd just be wondering especially if things are so close to home how it just feels (coughs) like you know kind of going through the same spots as a completely different person and almost kind of watching yourself yeah. go through it again. Yeah, I mean, it is that thing of, um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, a, so it, I, it's semi-autobiographical and, you know, I guess it's half truth and half wish fulfillment, you know, and very often the really lovely things are things I wished had happened or the, the you know, not, you know, some of them did happen and a lot of the really horrible, awkward things like, you know, your man finding like pornographic dick pics happen (laughs) you know and it's really interesting kind of you know it's really interesting kind of um writing those scenes and then having your mother read those scenes and eventually watch those scenes um but it was it was fun i think the film is such a light touch and the actors were so incredible and i think it's it's got a real warmth and comedy to it that i I think it's easy to when you're when you're seeing it through that lens and it's a lens that you don't often see queer stories through it's easy to kind of digest it and take it in and you know, not take things so seriously. You know, I think it's it deals with the emotional stuff really well, and the actors are so brilliant. Um, but ultimately, for me, I wanted to make that funny, hopeful coming of age story that you just don't often see with 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 gay leads, and you definitely don't see them with a gay and a lesbian lead. You know, they're usually in these hermetically sealed boxes. You know, you're never they're never in the same film. So. Um, I, you know, I wanted to make the film I wished I had as a kid that was, you know, where there was, you know, nobody was dying of AIDS and nobody was getting persecuted or beaten up to the, you know, to an extreme extent. Um, because that wasn't truthful to me. And I think while those films are really vital and really important to have, if that's the only time you see yourself on screen as a young queer person, you're going to have a very negative view of your future and a very kind of funneled view of your future. So... It was like, again, I think the the joy we wanted to bring to the script kind of 
ended up just coming into the production and and the writing and it, so it, it all felt quite easy and effortless in a way which was really nice and I, and again that goes down to how amazing our cast and crew are all my anxiety for this film was wrapped up in getting the right people for Etienne Amber and everyone else and once we kind of found them like once we saw the chemistry read with Fiona and Lola I knew we were we were set I knew we would have something good just because they're so magical and I think that just you know it is that thing of 90% of the job of directing is casting and I think there's a huge truth in that and was it Louise Kylie today yeah. Yeah, who's who's like phenomenal. I mean, she obviously just did normal people and you know, I think we're gonna look back in a couple of years' time at all the big Irish actors and they'll all just lead back to Louise. She's such a an amazing talent for finding people and finding young talent, which is hard. Um you know, I think one of the hardest pieces in the film to cast was the younger brother, who's hilarious. And she just found this local kid in Newbridge itself where the film is set called Evan O'Connor who's such a scene stealer and so he's brilliant he's brilliant he's amazing you know and it's a it, he's amazing and that role wouldn't have worked like I mean you can write it as funnily as you want but that role doesn't work if you don't have somebody who can deliver it with the wit and maturity that it's that's required um, and you know it could have been very uncomfortable and 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 hit the ground like a lead balloon and yeah it was just it's just because of his delivery that it works so well Um and that's kind of down to Louise and her And team. you deal, like, you're not afraid. Like, there's nothing, say, explicit, explicit there, but there's definitely, uh, like, yeah. overt displays of sexuality. Did you find, was yeah. there any pushback from that? Did you have to fight for certain no, scenes? Or was it no. like, like, they're very um, funny and it's very well done. I wouldn't have any issue with that. Yeah. yeah, no, there's lots of... I feel like I'm going to put on my CV that I'm really good at directing comedic hand jobs. Yeah, um, that was exactly the of... scene I was picturing in my mind. In the cinema, <laughs> yeah. Where I was yeah. like, oh. Oh. I was like, just imagine maybe someone um, going, I don't know how that would play with the yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I, I, you know, it was, we developed it, you know, my producer, Rachel is amazing. She produced my last film as well. And it was developed with Derby in Screen Ireland. And we, there was like that was never a question. I think I think the you know I think I always wanted to make sure there was you know that they're not just gay in theory. It was explicitly sexual, um, and you know, and I think part of that is the awkwardness of sex, and part of that is the the just the joy and love of it too. And I think there's you know I think that comes through as well. Um, and no, that that was never an issue. I think that was always in the first draft, and so when you when you give that as the first piece, and it's so central, I don't think anybody's going to push back against it. So it, I didn't like sneak it in in the third draft. It was always there. Um, and you know, I think you know, um, the way the people I developed it with are all about just making sure we hone what the director wants to say rather than shaping it into something they think would be better or more marketable or whatever, um, which is the right way to develop a script. And and so I feel, yeah, so no, that was, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, now I'm like, maybe I should have put more sex in. Maybe I, I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wanted... Because like, there's a really funny marketing campaign as well. Like, or somebody was tweeting something and it was... Just just at the timing, kind of being released around the same time as normal people. And it's, you know, two young people exploring their sexuality in very different ways. And yeah. Like, but, like, I just saw something online and I was like, actually, it's a very good time. Yeah. It's been... It is. Like, I mean, I think there's definitely... I feel very uncomfortable trying to piggyback off the 
extraordinary success of normal people which is obviously incredible but i will <laughs> it's like it's um of yeah course. i will <laughs> but it, yeah there's i mean you know that that's been such a phenomenal success and, and obviously it's based on such an incredible an incredible book and i you know it, it's lenny who's an icon and it's you know paul and daisy are amazing in it but yeah i mean that you know that that film is about first love and or that series about first love and you know the importance of first love and so is ours it's a different type of love you know it's a plutonic in a way and it's about the people who shape who you're going to be you know in, in the way uh uh marianne and colin connell do and so I, I think there's a lot of similarities i mean we definitely don't have as hot sex as they have. Um, we have a different type of sex entirely. Yeah, it's um, very fun. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's a different, it's, um, you know, I think I really identified with normal people in, in many ways. What I didn't identify with was being really smart and really hot in school. <laughs> that, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't me, you know, and that's not a lot of people. I mean, I think it was in the first episode or second episode that some, one of his mates in school asks him for his, um, for his French homework to copy. And I was like, that's my character. I'm the guy asking you to copy your French homework, but probably, probably fancying the male French teacher. Um, so I, so yeah, I wanted to kind of, you know, you know, in, in, in this edgy, he specifically says, you know, that he's not the smartest. He's not going to necessarily get into college. And his only route he thinks at the time in his youth is joining the army like his dad. And I think that, you know, that's the reality for a lot of kids where they don't necessarily see or have the options open to them. And I kind of wanted to to show that. And, and you know, Amber's obviously really smart, but, you know, there's a huge... It, there's a huge teenage pretension to her smartness, smartness, which I find really endearing and I love. And I think we were all pretentious teenagers and there's a, you know, and pretentious teenagers can turn into very smart adults. But um, um, yeah, I just, I, I felt, I wanted to kind of, you know, reflect me and my my friends as kids, which were kind of the, in many ways, the runts of the litter. Oh no, definitely. I definitely would have fallen in, in with that, with that crew. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like more like the younger brother, you know, soliciting weird advice. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, like you yeah, should do yeah. one of those quizzes for Facebook where it was like, which dating Amber character are you? Yeah, I know, exactly. Um, and I, I, I love, like, I mean, because our cat, like, I really want, I really hope it does well enough that I can do a spin off with them. Um, there's the two girls, and Ian O'Reilly plays Kev, the bully in the school, who's yeah. really actually quite lovely. And Tracy and Janet in it. And they're such, again, it comes down to those actors being amazing and kind of just bringing a three-dimensionality to roles that could have been very one-dimensional i completely actually was going to bring that up about the bully character there's such warmth yeah. to him and at the end there's even there's yeah. even moments where he's like that's a bit far like <laughs> go on yeah yeah i know exactly but I, I love that moment where he's all like you need to be more sensitive after spending an hour be tormenting him <laughs> but it's like um it's that it's that thing of i think when you're a kid a lot of the stuff that affects you a lot of maybe the 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 homophobic kind of jokes people are like don't realize the offense they they the, the harm they're causing and a that's because teenagers are idiots and b because sometimes people just don't understand i think that's much more realistic than the the really evil persecuting teenager who wants you to genuinely die which they exist but i just don't think they all they are everywhere and i think the stuff that's more prevalent and actually in many ways more harmful is the stuff that isn't meant to be offensive. And I kind of, I don't, I didn't want any of these characters to be irredeemable. I, you know, I think in 10 years time, Kev, the, the kind of insensitive 
uh, bully will probably be a very lovely, sensitive man, you know, in Dublin. And, you know, I, I you know, I think that's the truth. Um, you know, or certainly it was for, for me in, in my school years. So I, I wanted to make sure they all had their, I don't know, inner lives and, and they weren't just jerks, that they were, you know, they're nice kids, really. And, and I think that goes back to the idea that, that that Eddie and Amber are their own worst enemies in this film. It's about, you know, I think, you know, were Eddie to come out, I think, you know, it's, his family would love him and accept him. Everyone else would be fine. It's himself and his own kind of, <clears throat> kind of inner homophobia that's kind of holding him back. But you did touch on, and I thought, what was done very well is the intergenerational trauma and teamed with toxic masculinity and that's very prevalent with the relationship with the son and the father and mm. you can just see these kind of like negative repetitive um behaviors and it's it, it it's very again yeah. it's there's no good guy there's no bad guy you empathize with that father you just yeah. go like you know he's he's again his own worst enemy and it's yeah passing down this this trauma yeah. from <clears throat> generation to generation which is very quintessentially irish do you know like there's things that we're only shirking off now yeah yeah no absolutely and i think i mean again look, that comes down to Barry Ward who plays the dad is i think he's phenomenal he's so funny and so emotional and, and heartbreaking and heartwarming but I think it, it is that thing of I you know if there was any pushback from the script development processes there was always this maybe the dad should be more evil or maybe he should be more kind of homophobic I was like no that, that that's not the point the point is that he's got his own trauma he has his own kind of baggage from from growing up with a, a strict father and you know, and I, I didn't want any suggestion that he wouldn't love or accept his son because he's a loving father, but he just doesn't necessarily know how to communicate with his son. And, you know, and he doesn't really, he, he grew up in a time where being a man meant not being in touch with your feelings. And he is a really emotional man trying to battle his own kind of conflicting views of what a man should be. And I just, I, I mean, again, this Barry is so brilliant in the film, but... You know, it's it. I just didn't want any of these kind of characters to be one note. Um, you know, and because I think that would be so cliched if it was just you know, ah, oh, his dad's gonna disown him. You know, that's so. We've seen that film, and that film isn't. Again, that film has to exist, and it does exist. That is the truth for some people, but for a lot of people, that's not the truth. And I think, you know, a lot of the there very often there isn't one bad guy or a bad guy at all. It's you know, there's lots of other issues at play um but yeah i just i mean i could i can gush about barry ward all day i i love that man i know that it's just a stunning cast stunning chemistry can you tell me actually a little bit about the development process did it change much from you know the initial treatment that you submitted or yeah i don't i don't think it did i mean it, it, i think it just gets funnier and you tune it along and then you know i think i really like to do tweaks after you do read-throughs with actors and, and rehearsals because you find out what's working for them and what when you hear it out loud that really kind of informs what is actually funny um it's kind of it's one of those interesting development processes like this so this could have been my first film in a different life i remember we were really struggling to get the cured off the ground and, and we had financing that collapsed at several points and it was a really difficult few years and i think we there was a point where we gave up on it and I wrote this as a treatment and submitted it to Screen Ireland being like, 
well, at the time, Irish Film Board, thinking that, well, look, the cure didn't happen, but I've proven I can write and they'll support me. And they rejected it at the time. Um, and I, it was, a, I think the treatment was very similar to what we have on screen now. Um, so then that was like a double whammy of, well, my career's over. First film didn't work. This film's not working. And then and then we put that aside and eventually we got uh, The Cure together on a, on a more of a shoestring budget. And and once The Cure was made and we got it into Toronto um, for the premiere, I guess my feeling was I'm in a good stead right now with the Screen Ireland. So right now is the moment to resubmit this treatment because I want it to be my second feature. And then thankfully they said yes then and it was actually a re like by the time they said yes i already had the first draft written and the first draft was really really solid i think because i'd been living with it for so many years so it wasn't like a rushed draft era it was a very developed draft um and and i think from there we we kind of got it together and financed within a year like and, and obviously i rewrote it along the way a little bit but it never fundamentally changed um you know, I think two weeks after I wrote the first draft, like two weeks after I gave the very first draft to my agent, I was sitting down with Sharon Horgan for coffee um, for her, you know, which is weird, like so weird. Um, so it, it was, it, you know, and it's not the way it's ever happened for me before, but it, I think this this film just, there was so much time with the treatment and thinking about it and kind of living with it that when it did come to writing it, I managed to write it a really good first draft that needed obviously changes and polishes but it didn't need anything significant or structural and so we were able to kind of just crew and cast and develop as we went um so it's uh, from script to now what is you know amazon prime screens it's it was quite a short time which is you know again you know wasn't the case with my first film may not be the case for my next film <laughs> it could be an anomaly in my career but um um yeah it, it was it was a really nice one in that in that respect that it just i think it kind of i think i knew very much of the story i wanted to tell and when i came to writing it i had the you know i work i developed a lot as a writer and i was a better writer and i was able to kind of bring more humor to it and everything so and it's the film we really need right now as well with everything that's going on. <laughs> Do you know, it's something it's something upbeat with, yeah. you know. But I, I, every, every night I'm with, like, me and my boyfriend, we're going to watch a film or, or something on TLM. I'm like, I want to watch a comedy. Where's that comedy? Nothing's funny. There's so few comedies out there. And it's kind of, you know, and I, I, I love, like, I've been watching old comedies, like old Billy Wilders and old Preston Sturges, and it's like, those old school, really tight well-crafted comedies are actually quite rare now. Um, and Irish, Irish people do it well when we do it. We tend to do it well. We but do we it really well. I find we don't do enough of them. And I, I don't know why. No. But so that's why I was like, you know, this is definitely... I have my theories. I think one of the reasons is, you know, unless you're a bigger budgeted film, very often, you know, or A24 with like Lady Bird or something, very often when you you're making your films to get into festivals, which is the only way to get an audience. And very often festivals skew towards more pensive, slow pieces, which isn't like some of them are great. Don't get me wrong. But I think you're, you're, you're making things for what you think is an available audience. Um, um, subconsciously. Um, and I think when you make it, I think, I think, I think comedies don't necessarily get the Jews um, that they deserve. They don't necessarily get the credit they d deserve, you know, 
in terms of festivals and awards and critically and everything. I think I think there's a lot of lazy depth that can be attributed to a three minute slow kettle shot. Like, you know, it's just and I don't which kind of bugs me a little bit. Um but yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that we don't make it enough. We don't know if it's gonna get out there or if it's gonna be get any kind of a, a claim or, you know, um which is a shame. That might be wrong, but that's kind of my current theory yeah. that I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering as well. So there is definitely tonally things that you want to write about. So you're, again, you were saying that it, it, it's, it comes from a different place. So you have um, horror, sort of thriller horror, which, again, is it, it's all about kind of processing stuff, which is interesting. And you have this kind of lovely healing, but not afraid to deal with emotional issues kind of comedy drama like it's it's a really yeah. good mixture to have because it's all different facets of storytelling and everything is storytelling but do you feel yeah. like you pick up different skills or do you yeah. feel like you veer from one to another what would be your as a filmmaker um i mean I, I i yeah i just love anything narrative so i think like i'm currently working on um a tv project and i have i'm working on a, another feature script which is a revenge but a dark comic revenge film a few other things so I mean I really am keen and excited to kind of explore TV just because it was kind of my first love in terms of narrative um, stuff and, and I, I kind of like the idea of kind of bringing characters over a long period of time um, so I'd love to yeah I'm really excited to kind of do get more opportunities in television um, but in terms of a genre I, I you know like I said I love the apartments my other favorite films are Terminator 2 a matter of life and death um which are you know so all so different you know um, and I think that you know most people have really varied tastes and want to you know as a filmmaker you want to just explore different genres and different things um I don't know if I have the emotional intelligence to know exactly what the true team is yet <laughs> but, but there's there's one somewhere yeah, so it's kind of more character driven well I suppose TV is more just character driven yeah yeah I mean character driven I mean it all starts with character and I think you, there's a certain I think it all depends on the story I think some stories you know, the amount of times you watch a film go a TV series going don't make a series 2 that's perfect and that could have been a film and then the amount of times you watch a film going there's so much more to tell why isn't this a TV series so I think it all depends I think the the story you want to tell will dictate where it should fit and then somebody will tell you no and you have to do it the other way. <laughs> you know? Like the Cured. The Cured started to be TV and then it morphed into, into film. And Beard started as thinking it could be a TV series and I very quickly realised it has a beginning, middle and end and no, this is a film. Um, <clears throat> so I think you just let the characters dictate what it should be and then money will tell you where it should be. <laughs> that's it. And that's ultimately besides the, the big things, doesn't it? I would definitely watch a sequel to, um, to Dating Amber. Like I think the next stage would be interesting to see because it's it's a it's a, it's a whole different it's about getting out of that one chapter but I do think I would definitely watch a, a I would love to I mean I kind of don't like talking about sequels before films right because I've been burned in the past because oh, I had a whole no. sequel written for the cure and that's never going to happen but um I I think um yeah I mean I think when I the very the only big change that ever happened with this script was the very 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 first draft of the script had a book ending where you had an older Eddie in London at about 30 and it was through kind of a, a bar. Uh, he sees this girl or this woman that he kind of vaguely recognises. Then you jump back to the past and you realise where he recognises her from. And then at the very end of it, as they say goodbye in the film, 
you jump forward again where their eyes meet and they smile and it didn't work because you kind of a there's so many things where you have to like you have to get actors that look like them that are older then you have to kind of have the audience you know spend a film being engaged with these young actors and suddenly you have to jump back to these old actors and i just never felt like it would it would work in a book but it wouldn't work in on screen as a device but i love the idea of like in 10 years time us coming together again and having these characters who who maybe may have lost contact but who were so important to each other in their past just meeting up again in london and having some time together so i love the idea of doing that and i just love i will you know i will you know i would i I will do anything to work with fiona lola again because they're so incredible but right now i'm just really happy this is made and is going to get out there and what I, what will happen will happen I'm like I'm very I'm very I'm, 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 I'm already starting my campaign to do the spin-off series about Tracy and Janet though so um, <laughs> I just think they're because I just love them so like Anastasia and Emma who played the characters are just so funny and so good and they're actually so like they're such um, uh, kind of talented deep actors that I think they could go from really funny to really interesting places so I'd love to do that at some point they, but, um, they were in my school not them but I knew them from my school yes. like I know them yeah. from per- yeah yeah I think we all know them yeah and I think again they're the girl like you know they're girls that that will probably grow up to be really lovely people and you know they'll go through their own trials and traumas and you know and I, I love the idea of seeing them move to Dublin in their early 20s like working as hairdressers and temps and just kind of navigating the Celtic tiger um, so um, and I, again I just want to work with them because I they were so much fun to work with um, and they're such lovely people but I mean I think that's you know that's all me just kind of rambling and getting ahead of myself because and going and going in here yeah. on your universe no but yeah. you've kind of created a very nice universe so we'll just kind of go into the logistics of the shoot a little bit yeah of course so it was a five week shoot yeah do i read somewhere like that's quite short because it's i mean it's short but it's, it's it's kind of the average now for irish films which independent films anyway um which they all are <laughs> no yeah it, it's short it but it's weird so my first film was also five weeks and it felt like we had no time because you had stunts and you had action and, you know, bigger set pieces. And so you were trying to do massive action sequences in, in the same day you're doing really emotional scenes. And that felt like the time we just were really chasing ourselves a lot. But with this, even though it was five weeks, it kind of felt like the right amount of time to make the film. You know, we had, you know, we had, I had an incredible uh, team, like the, the most amazing team, Emma, our production designer, Rory, my DP. And I think just everyone had a really harmonized view of what we were doing. You know, there was a real communication between all the departments and how things should look. And everything just ran really smoothly, which was, you know, the actors were really well rehearsed. So they always got what they wanted kind of quickly. And then we could play around and try a few things and I could try it, throw in a few more lines. and. So yeah, it felt like five weeks for this was, you know, I wouldn't give up any time, but it felt like we had enough time to do it um, and do it well and still give it that scale and, and kind of cinematic feel. But again, it just, it just comes down to the to the film. And, you know, I think we were so ambitious in trying to do The Cure and on the budget we did it on and in the schedule that we had. Um, and I kind of I think it risks kind of breaking under the weight of that ambition a little bit because I think we were just a bit naive but with this it just felt right and I think we went into this knowing that this is a film we could do on a budget that we can get together quickly and I th- you know then I have you know I have scripts I have 
ready to go but like one of them's like well this needs 10 million or there's no point doing it this one can be done one for 1.5 million so that's you know i think it's just about trying to make sure you have the money and you have the time to tell the film you want to tell because it's always a shame when your if when a film falls short because of those little production hiccups um which happens all the time and i think it's hot you know I think, you know, there's film, feature films now being done in four weeks because of budgets, which, and some of them can be done well, but that's such a, you know, I think when they're, when, when things are getting trimmed down so much and the production value, because, not because of the lack of talent, the talents are because of the lack of resources are becoming so small. Why would you go to the cinema to see that? Why wouldn't you just watch TV where they have a couple of million an episode and, you know, the same schedule to make an hour? Um, so I think we just have to, you know, it's a really tough time for independent films and getting budgets together. And, but I think we just have to make sure that we're not undercutting ourselves. Like I heard somebody recently talking about trying to do something in three weeks. I'm like, you're a nutter if you think you can do a feature film in three weeks. Um, so yeah, I think going below five weeks is, I can't fathom it. Um, and I, I think I would love to go back to the time where you had seven, six or seven weeks for a, a regular budgeted film like this. But I don't know if that's going to happen, <laughs> particularly post-COVID. I know. And we'll see what happens as well yeah. with the restrictions. Like a lot of people that are coming back mm. now are coming back to, you know, do you have to be socially distant? The health and safety officer I know, said there's gonna all be like, the time. Like that's going to be yeah, very expensive for a small production. Yeah, I've talked to briefly to some producers who are kind of trying to go through it at the moment with productions going up. And it just seems, it like it's going to, it feels like it's going to be impossible for a, films of this scale of like dating amber scale and and to do that and to you like they're gonna have to have some sort of production um like budget boost from screen ireland or something to just just for those those additional things that are needed um and then how do you do intimacy scenes or how do you make i don't i don't know i'm, I'm really grateful that we finished when we finished and I don't have an immediate production coming up because I actually, I, I, it's going to be really tricky. I think if you have a very contained film with a small one location and a few actors, you can probably manage it. You can probably isolate for the period you need to shoot it. But yeah, we'll see. It's an interesting time. And that's it. And bringing anybody in from places and having them self-isolate. Like it just, there is, and I was going to say, you were very lucky with your timing. Yeah. And then also your platform is brilliant. Yeah. Because so it is, I always, I find as someone who's scrolling through Amazon Prime, I do like it, but there's some great shows on there. But it, it it's very like, um, <laughs> I, I I find myself scrolling through like super masculine terrorist fighting, yeah, yeah, middle class yeah. white guy. Yeah. They have they <laughs> have know, a lot of action. Sad older, yeah. sad older middle class white guy gets dragged back into a career he's left behind and yeah. I find myself clicking through them so things like the wonderful Mrs. Maisel um, I, I go oh they do yeah. they do it so well so it's nice to have something that kind of stands out a little bit within their programming no I, I think that's I think that's right and I think you know I think getting released in June with Pride Month and obviously there's been all these Pride events have been cancelled I think that's also really fortuitous for us um, but yeah I mean I think Again, I think anything that's comedic is going to jump out on those platforms yeah. at the moment. Um, I, they don't, you know, I mean, they obviously have a queer library, but I've worked, you know, you know, with their Amazon Prime originals, it doesn't feel like there's a huge amount at the moment for yeah. queer stuff. You know, it is. Or, or women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's yeah. stuff that they, they, exactly. they do have some good stuff for women, but yeah. it's definitely in the minority. But I, I don't know if that's a, I'm actually, because I wonder, because if you look at them, 
like if you look, you know, they have Jack Ryan and all that stuff, and the and great, Goliath and yeah. I, I like. I, I wonder is that are they are that have they been reacting to the market of the people that they have buying been buying subscriptions so far or maybe you know and and you know they need to do much more to get in female subscribers and and queer subscribers. I don't know, and I'm definitely not gonna. Um, bitch about the hand that feeds yeah, <laughs> but you know but I think you're right I think there isn't a huge amount of there isn't enough queer films full stop there isn't enough queer films on these platforms and there's definitely not enough queer films that are also just universally funny on any of these platforms um, so yeah I mean hopefully we do kind of jump out from from the crowd on there and and, and get some laughs I think you know the fact that Catastrophe is on their site and that's been such a success for them you know, the Sharon connection is great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know how these algorithms work, but um, I'm we're really excited. I think I think we have a nice opportunity now when people are watching way more than they should be and they need a laugh. I think I think we could captive audience, something kind captive of audience. nourishing, <laughs> something with a, with a bit of humor to it. We are really excited. I think I'm like, I think it's going to really I think it will connect with people and um down well I hope I mean if anything they're going to love Fiona Lola because they're just superstars and they're brilliant and they again it's it's very enjoyable it does it kind of goes to some surprising emotional depths with some areas which I think is it's just lovely to watch as well they just do it so well and couldn't recommend it more thank you thank you so much for chatting with us thank you that's great really enjoyed it